joy uh, to be with you. It's always a joy to be here at Northbrook. And uh, I thought before we look into the scriptures, I'd just uh, give you a quick little update on what's been going on the last little bit. Uh, uh, I don't have my family here with me, and I sort of feel I have to apologize for that because you guys only get part of the deal. I mean, we're a pat, we're a family, and it's just me, so you're getting a little bit ripped off this morning. But uh, but uh, we have a Christmas play at uh, our church on December 20th, and the kids are all involved pretty heavily in that. And so there was a practice this morning, so the decision was made to uh, that they would go to that. But <clears throat> I'm hoping in the will of the Lord next time my family will be able to be with me. But life has changed a little bit in our house because uh, our oldest son Kyle now has a driver's license. So that's just changed things in the last... He got it one month ago today, October the 29th, and it's kind of nice, actually. <laughs> don't have to chauffeur them around everywhere. And uh, so, yeah, so like the kids are getting bigger and older, and Kyle will be 17 next month, and I just don't think I'm ready to have... I don't think I'm old enough or ready to have kids that can drive, but here we are. That's the way it goes, and God is... I am. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. There's one in every crowd. <laughs> um, one is, uh, I just wanted to give you a little update on this past Friday and Saturday. Um, I actually wasn't planning on coming to Halifax on Friday. Uh, uh, the Moncton Christmas Parade was yesterday, and it's a pretty big deal. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if it's even bigger than the one here in Halifax. Last year, there was 80,000 people there. And so a friend of mine was organizing a bunch of Christians to come together and, and pass out gospel tracts, and there was probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 of us, which was awesome. And uh, anyway, so I thought, well, Moncton on Saturday and Dartmouth on Sunday. So, so I got I to gotta, I gotta share something here with you I found kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I says to John on my text here, hey, John, I'm not really... I'm thinking about maybe not going to Halifax this weekend. And uh, let's, let me see here. Yeah, uh, but I understand. You know, it would be great if you could come down, John says, but I understand. I says, Halifax Friday, Moncton Saturday, Dartmouth Sunday. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> this is John Wells for you. Ready? Well, he says, if I could do Vancouver, Toronto, and Atlanta, and Halifax, you're okay. He says. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, thanks, John. And then he goes, uh, work while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. And I thought, indeed. And then he says, uh, you're going to be dead a long time, my dad used to say. Burn out, burn out for Jesus Christ rather than rust out. I was like, man, how can you not go after that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Not anymore. No pressure, bro. Then he writes, I just enjoy working with you. And I write, I hear you. I enjoy working with you as well. Next thing you know, that was the last text. That was on Monday. Friday, I'm driving. I'm, I'm getting ready to leave hell, uh, my house. And Actually, I left later than I normally do because uh, usually I get to the city about I don't know, five, and grab supper with somebody or something. So anyways, it all worked out, and what a, what a Friday night we had. Like, 
<clears throat> we'd like to think that every Friday night, um, you know, God is working, and I'm sure he is, but sometimes we don't see it. And it was pretty, pretty powerful. John, John preached, and uh, there was this guy, uh, I think his name was Jason, right? Well, anyways, if you want to hear a story after words, you just ask John about Jason. He knows the details far more than I do. But long story short, this guy was uh, pretty evidently the Spirit of God was working on this guy. And as a matter of fact, when John was preaching, this guy was saying amen. Now, friends, that doesn't happen down the streets very often, I'm telling you, unless they're mocking. Unless you're like the guy, when I got up to preach afterwards, a guy walked up to me and started and, and kissed my feet while I was preaching, which is the first time that's ever happened. But that wasn't a reverent thing. That was a total mockery of God. And, and he, was, uh, he was fairly intoxicated, too. But... Uh, his name was Simon, but anyway, this guy was totally different. This guy's name was, was Jason, and, and uh, unfortunately, uh, he had received some wrong information. He had come into contact with a preacher or a teacher of some kind who spent more time talking, less, should have spent more time reading the Bible and studying the Bible than talking because he told Jason that uh, he was uh, an apostate because he had committed the quote-unquote unpardonable sin in Matthew 12. You're probably familiar with the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And so John opened his Bible to Matthew 12 and, and explained to him, uh, this, this, this says that Jesus Christ is demonic. This, you have to, in, order to, in order for Matthew 12 to, to apply to you, you have to believe that the works of Jesus are attributed to Satan. D is that you? And the guy goes, no! I love Jesus. He died on the cross for my sins, shed his blood. And John says, well, I don't know who told you that Matthew 12 applies to you, but it doesn't. And uh, anyway, it was pretty powerful. He was, you know, there were tears in his eyes. And, and, and anyway, you can talk to John more about that. It was pretty, pretty amazing, actually. We don't get encounters like that every day, that's for sure. <coughs> Excuse me. And then <coughs> later on when I was preaching, this woman comes up. And her name's Felicia, and Felicia was raised, it sounds like, in a fairly good Christian home, but Mike, many people, once they hit 20, 19, 20, 21, start to gain some independence, get a vehicle, start to just kind of do their own thing, and she said, I'm pretty sure she said she didn't really believe in God anymore, and that was really hard to hear, but she didn't want to hear the preaching, and, and you could tell, you could tell that... Um, the look on her face was not a look that we see every week for sure. And God had been sort of dealing with her and she was running from God. And, and she's, you know, there's two, there's two ways to let that, that there's a light on your dashboard that says, you know, oil engine light. Well, there's two things you can do. You can either take the car in and get it checked and repair the damage or you can take a hammer and smash the light <laughs> so you don't have to see the light anymore, right? And that's what she was doing. She was trying to stop the light from shining in Halifax and... So we had a real good talk with Felicia. So anyway, I say all that to say that thank you for those of you who are praying uh, for our ministry. Um, it means a lot. That's, that's not just a cliche. I mean, that's, that's true. When you do a ministry like this, you need the prayers of God's people. So thank you for your prayers. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, thanks to everybody who uh, helped me with the Wharf Rat Rally Outreach by scratching out... <laughs> The, the word rat off the, how many people 
took a marker and some time. Yeah, appreciate that. Some of you were busy because I got an email like the day, the next day I was here. I was here on a Sunday. On Monday, I got an email. Somebody said, I'm done on mine. And I was like, what? <laughs> he had like a thousand. One, I forget who it was, but somebody did about a thousand in less than 24 hours. So anyway, thanks for your help. And um, uh, let's see what else has been. Oh, yeah. Thanks for mentioning De- December 18th. That's going to be a good time. Hope you can come to that. Um, also, been fortunate. I know as you pray, we put a lot of kilometers on, as, as I've just mentioned, Halifax on Friday, Moncton Saturday here. By the time I get home today, it'll be about a thousand kilometers from Friday morning till Sunday night. <laughs> so, so as you pray, pray for safety and on the roads because on Friday night I was coming back. It was a late one. I was coming back, you know, sort of half asleep. And next thing you know, the deer start running across the road. You, you've, you know, shoom, shoom, a big old line of deer, and I, I got right in between two of them. <laughs> there was one on this side of the fender, and there was one whose head, there was a tail here, and there was a head here, and I went zing, right between them on the 311 there, somewhere just past Earltown. And then uh, last night, coming home from Moncton, and I don't know how I didn't see it, but next thing you know, there was a deer running towards me about two feet on the other side of the yellow line, right by, and Abby was in the back, and Abby, ah, Abby screamed, which didn't help matters, but uh, anyway, so missed two deer in like the last 72 hours, so thanks for your prayers. All right, also I want to just give glory to God too, and it's amazing, you know, God provides, and you know, when I stepped away from a salary position to trust God, I wasn't, you know, I obviously wasn't too sure, but needed some winter tires, and uh, just in the last week, uh, got well. It's just neat. In in 2011, we went out to Saskatchewan for a ministry trip and to visit Denise's sister. We met a family there we've only met once, and they decided this week of all weeks to send us uh, a check in the mail from Manitoba. And the same week, we got a check in the mail from Quebec for this guy I went to Bible school with. I haven't seen him in about 15 years, and then another family in Maine that we haven't seen probably since 1997 sent us a little something in the mail, and you add the three of them up, and there's, three, there's a new set of winter tires. So that's uh, Manitoba, Quebec, and Maine. I never, never saw that coming, but God did. So it's amazing how God provides, and I want to say thank you for those who have helped in that respect. All right, what we're going to do now, I'd like you to turn in your Bible, please, to Luke chapter number 23. <coughs> Luke chapter 23, and what we're going to do is conclude a uh, seven-part series that was started in June of last year. <laughs> in June of last year, <clears throat> we talked about, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so we talked about that. And then in uh, November of last year, we looked at the promise of salvation, or the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 23. Uh, I think it was verse, you're in Luke 23. The first, the second, and the final statements of the Lord Jesus while he was on that cross are found in Luke chapter number 23. The second one was verse number 43. I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. And then, and then let's see, then in, around October, we saw a uh, woman behold thy uh, mother, or behold thy son, behold thy mother, the provision for his mother 
in Christ's interests. And that was the third statement of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Then we looked at the petition to the Father, a very interesting text out of Matthew chapter 27. <clears throat> Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which just be interpreted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We looked at that, <clears throat> uh, I guess it was last December. And then uh, back around May, we looked at, I thirst. The Lord Jesus made this statement in uh, John chapter 19, a pleading for relief. The Lord Jesus said, I thirst, and we looked at that. And then last time we were together in August, we looked at, uh, it is finished. John 19 as well, verse 30, a proclamation of victory. We looked at that. And uh, I know that you remember all that, but I thought we'd just review it a little bit. <laughs> I trust it was encouragement. It has been for me. I know it's hard when you only see a guy every once in a while, but that's the way it works with busy schedules and so on and so forth. But now today, by the grace of God, and in the time that's remaining, we're going to look at verse number 46, Luke 23. Well, let's back it up to uh, verse 44. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the earth until about the ninth hour. So that's noon till 3 p.m. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst, as you remember from Matthew, from top to bottom. And there, then we look at the last thing that Jesus said, uh, is verse number 46. And when Jesus cried with a loud voice, and he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, and having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We've set aside this time to to just to settle down and to and to turn off uh, our gadgets and just focus on you and on your word. And so, Lord, help us to to do just that. Lord, uh, we've come to hear a word from you. We've asked that you would please uh, speak to every single heart here, from the youngest to the oldest, for your glory and for yours alone. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, here we have the final statement, the, the first statement of the Lord Jesus. See if you can pick up a pattern. Father, into the, uh, uh, oh, wait a minute here. Father, uh, forgive them, remember? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Fourth statement, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Final statement, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I don't know if you've picked up the pattern there. The first, the middle, and the last statement of the Lord Jesus. All prayers. All prayers. Four of the, five, uh, of the seven statements were horizontal. You know, today you're going to be with me in paradise. But three of the four, the first, the middle, and the last, were, were, were not horizontal, but vertical. And the Lord Jesus is praying to his Father. And I thought, well, that's, that's very interesting. Um, it is good when a man's thoughts, somebody said this, it's good when a man's thoughts flow Godward in his dying moments, but it is unlikely that they will if prayer was not the practice of his or her life. I recently heard of a, a true story, I think it was a true story from all I could tell, you never know with the internet nowadays, but anyways, I recently found this story uh, of a businessman who had started a restaurant chain and it had gotten fairly popular across North America, and uh, so he's dying, his time has come, and his uh, family has gathered around him, and, uh, and, you know, he's only got a few 
minutes left, so they're all gathering around to say their say goodbye, to pay their respects, and and they want to hear, you know, what Grandpa has to say. And so Grandpa's final words, he lifts his head off the pillow, grabs one of his sons by the shirt, and says, "Remember, slice the ham thin." And then he died. Remember, slice the ham thin. Well, the ruling passion of this man's life showed up clearly at his death. Apparently, he was quite consumed with thin ham. Or, I guess, profit, making money. But as we, uh, I found found that very interesting. There's a, in this, I kind of like this little uh, evidence Bible, it's called. It, it, there's different things in here compiled by a guy by the name of Ray Comfort. One of them is last words. There's a whole section given on last words and the last words of some popular people and some unpopular people. And usually last words are fairly telling to a person's life. And so now we're coming to the last words of the Son of God. Pre-resurrection, obviously. So, so look, at, look at what Jesus says. First of all, it says, when Jesus had cried with a what voice? A loud voice. When Jesus had cried with a loud voice. We were were driving down the road one day when my kids were a little younger. And I just finished. uh, It's amazing how you read something and then within 24 hours usually, there it is. It's right in your face. And so we were driving down the road and... My kids listen to this thing. They like uh, Adventures in Odyssey. Probably everybody with young kids probably knows what I'm talking about, Adventures in Odyssey. So most of them are pretty good. And uh, sure enough, that, you know, they're coming to the cross, and, and there's Jesus. And, and, uh, and the Lord Jesus is, is on the cross, and he's, he's saying these things. <coughs> and um, anyways, it comes to this point here. And there's Jesus, or the actor portraying Jesus. And he very quietly, very timidly, very humbly, just kind of barely eking out the words, says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. You know, it was was quite well done. I mean, they do it, you know, they do a good job, obviously. Pause. Does anybody back there have a Bible? I think we were on our way to church somewhere. She goes, yeah, uh, one of my kids. I says, open to Luke 23, please. And so the kids, I'm all for dramatizations and yada, yada, and I'm not here to pick on anybody. But, but the scripture says for a reason, I believe, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, and the thing that we had just heard dramatized was the exact opposite. In the, in the dramatization, Jesus was dying like a victim, But according to Luke chapter 23, Jesus Christ died as a victor. Victors die with a loud voice. Victims die with a quiet voice. And so Jesus Christ, it says in the text, it could have just said, Jesus said, into thy hands, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. But the scripture goes out of the way to say that Jesus cried with a loud voice, with a victor's voice. Picture, Picture any 
I, you know, a couple of them are coming to mind right now, some historical figures who were conquerors, who were, who were brave, valiant men, and standing at the front, not at the back of their pack, of their, 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 their army. And they, they get at the front of their army, and they got a sword or a spear or a javelin or whatever they got in their hands, and they go, let's go get them, boys. No, you, I was building that up so you know the guy's going to get up there and go, ah, charge or freedom or whatever, you know what I mean? <clears throat> I mean, man, even William Wallace died with a loud voice. He died a victor. And uh, so you know what? Uh, Jesus Christ doesn't die with this weak, barely getting it out of his lungs voice. He dies with a loud voice. Father! Now, I could have done that a lot louder, but I didn't want to startle anybody. But you get the idea. We're talking about victory, friends. We are on the victory side. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the victor? You know, we have to have a right understanding of this because, you know what? I talk to, sometimes I'll talk to Muslims. And they'll say, and they've, they've told me to my face. This is not hearsay that I read in the book. I've had Muslims tell me, eyeball to eyeball, your God is a pathetic God. And I say, come again? And they say, my God doesn't die. Any God that dies is pathetic, is mortal, is weak. And they completely missed it. They've completely missed Luke 23. I mean, they don't get it. And I can understand, of course. 2 Corinthians 4 says, God has blinded the eyes of them that believe not. So I don't expect a Muslim who's unregenerate in his sins to, to, to realize uh, the truth of the scripture, so therefore that's why we got to go and share the truth of the scripture with them. How shall they hear Romans 10 without a preacher, right? But, but, but Jesus Christ, I guarantee, even if he's um, telling you lies, which is totally acceptable within the Muslim faith to tell lies to, to further their cause, and there's a name for it. It starts with a T. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but I have it on my phone if anybody wants to see it later. It's, there's, if, if Jesus dies, if God dies, well, that's just weakness. That's not, but that's, they've missed it. They've missed the penal substitutionary atonement. I love that little verse in Hebrews chapter 2, which talks about how Jesus Christ defeated death with, do you remember? Do you remember the word? Do you, do you remember the, how Jesus defeated death with the tool that he used? Let's turn over to Hebrews 2 and I'll show it to you. This is powerful. This is awesome. In Hebrews chapter 2, it says, oh, where's that verse? Thank you. Yeah, we, we were quoting this, John and I were quoting this verse on, uh, on Friday night. For as much then, verse 14, Hebrews 2, for as much then as, children, as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same, that flesh and blood, incarnation, Christmas time, that through death he might destroy him that hath power of death, that had, past tense, the power of death. That's the devil. According to this verse and according to 1 Corinthians 15, what's the most powerful weapon that Satan possesses? It's called, one, two, three, death. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? How did Jesus Christ conquer death? With, with death. That through death, do you see it there? That through death he might destroy him that a power of the death. I like that. <laughs> That's Jesus taking the most powerful weapon that Satan has and destroying him with his most powerful weapon. 
Doesn't that just, doesn't that, doesn't that make you just want to like smile and say, that's my God, you know what I'm saying? Like, like not only, God could have chose any way to defeat death, he chose to defeat death with death, and that's, that's just powerful. That's, that's just amazing. What a God, what a God we serve. Go back to Luke chapter 23, please. <coughs> So Jesus Christ dies not as a victor, excuse me, excuse me, not as a victim, but as a victor. Ladies and gentlemen, that makes a big, big, big difference. Keeping in mind that death would not dare, would not dare to lay its cold, clammy fingers on the Holy Son of God until he himself had given the word of permission for it to happen first. Not only does it say that Jesus cries with, with a loud voice, but it also says the first words as he cried it loud were the word, was the word Father. Now, it's easy for us 2,000 years later to say, oh yeah, tell me something I don't know. But friends, this is a new concept 2,000 years ago. To call Jehovah, to call the Creator Father, Jesus was the first one to do this. You realize that. Nobody, no, nobody before Jesus ever dared to look up into the heavens and refer to, any, to, to the Creator to the holy, infinite creator being of the universe as Father. But Jesus Christ did. He had broken new ground. And Jesus Christ uh, signifies, when you think of Father, hopefully you think, unfortunately in today's day and age, the word Father isn't necessarily a good thing. Because there are lots of people, uh, just talked to a woman, uh, wasn't this past Friday night, it was the Friday before, who had told us how she'd been raped by her father. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, just blew me away. And, and, and sometimes, unfortunately, the word father doesn't always project what it's supposed to. It's not, doesn't protect, uh, doesn't portray project, uh, protection and strength and, and mercy and love and caring and tenderness. Uh, the perfect balance, that, that same arm that can break down a wall to rescue his daughter is the same arm that can pick up his daughter and, and comfort his daughter. So, so unfortunately in today's society, the word father isn't, you know, kind of have to define terms, but, but the idea was that of, of tenderness and compassion combined with strength and, and provision. And so Jesus Christ is, is laying down the gauntlet to say that we can actually have a relationship with the God of the universe, and, and according to Romans 8, even refer to him as Abba, Father, or the word better word that we might understand in our society is the word Daddy. Daddy, provider, protector. <clears throat> so Jesus Christ says, Father, with this loud voice, and he says, into your hands I commend my spirit. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Notice here that Jesus doesn't say, oh, I guess, I'm, I guess it's over. There's an active force here. There's an active working here of into your hands, I now commend my spirit. You see that Jesus Christ wasn't just kind of on the sidelines just saying, well, I guess, I guess now's the time. Uh, but, but he was actively involved in this, and that's, I think that's important. Because you remember, I think, John chapter 10, that no man takes my, what did Jesus say? No man takes my what? My life from me, but I lay it down. Right? We're talking about voluntary. We're, we're, we're talking about when Jesus said, 
uh, mine hour several times has not yet come, this was the hour he was talking about. This was the hour. And I love it because for, the purpose, for this purpose, 1 John 3, 8, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So we notice here that Jesus, into thy hands I commit my spirit, I commend my spirit. At the, by the way, this was at the appointed time. This is at the same time that the Passover lamb was to be killed, right around 3 o'clock. It was no accident. It wasn't like Jesus kind of just barely hung on because he was a carpenter. He was in good shape. His body fat was probably 3%. So therefore, you see, instead of dying at 245, he actually hung on until 3 o'clock. That's not what's going on here. He died at the appointed hour. He died. He died. No man takes my life. I give it up willingly. Jesus Christ. We're talking about, we're talking about death here, too. Like, let's not forget that death is a very serious subject. I don't even like the word death, pretty honestly. I think it's a disgusting word, death. It just got a gross, well, death. I mean, it's just a nasty word. As a matter of fact, this guy who kissed my feet on Friday night, which is really weird. I've never had anybody do that before. Hopefully never again. He was mocking God as he was doing this. He's like, oh, you can preach what you want, but we're preaching. We, we believe in love. You know, love, love, love. The world is OD'd on love, you know. If there wasn't John 3.16, what would they do, right? They don't keep reading, of course, to John 3.19, that this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men loved what? Darkness rather than light because their deeds were what? Evil. They, they don't keep reading past John 3.16 or go to the end of the very same chapter where he that has the Son has life and he that has not the Son of God has not life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Which is God more, love or wrath? The answer is yes. He's the perfect mixture of love and wrath. He's the perfect mixture of holiness and mercy. He's the perfect, uh, mixture is probably not the right word there, but you get the idea. He's the perfect personification of, of, of forgiveness and justice. And forgiveness and justice meet squarely at the cross. Because Jesus being 100% God and 100% man and 100% wrath, and 100% love, and 100% grace, and 100% justice, met squarely at the cross. And therefore, it's so important to clearly understand the Christology, not only our Christology, but specifically the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And his argument was, hey, well, you know, we're all about love here, and, and just to show you how loving we are, I'm going to come over and kiss your feet. And, uh, and I said, you know, you know just to... Did you, I think that's the word he used. I don't want to put words in his mouth. I'm pretty sure that the phrase was, just to show you how loving we are, we're gonna, I'm going to come over and kiss your feet. And I said, well, that's, uh, you know, whatever. But I said, I quoted John 15 to this young man. I said, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his what? His life. He thinks he's something because he come over and kiss some leather. I mean, come on. That's really sad and pathetic if you stop and think about it. You want to do something loving? Lay down your life for your friends. That's what Jesus Christ did. And that's what I explained to him. And I, It's a beautiful segue to the blood of Jesus. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. But he was too busy over there. I don't know if you heard it or not, actually. I shouldn't say for sure. But he didn't appear to be listening to the, what I had to say after he did that. He was too busy high-fiving his friends and over there. <clears throat> but, um, by the way, after you left, John, I grabbed a sub and when I came back, one of the guys, Corey, uh, the guy who debated the birthday of Jesus not being December 25th, which he's probably right, doesn't really matter, uh, we got into another conversation, which was kind of interesting. I'll tell you about it later. But 
the, the, without trying to get sidetracked here, uh, Jesus Christ, as he's on this cross, he says, Father, opening up, signifying relationship that comes through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Into your hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, the spirit departed from him. Is that what your Bible says? No, having said thus, uh, the Father took his spirit from him. Is that what it says? No, it says, look at at your Bible, verse, verse 46. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. You see that? No man takes my life from me. I give it up willingly, John chapter number 10. He gave up the ghost, volunteering. He, it wasn't like, oh, maybe I can get 10 more breaths if I really try. No, he knew the last breath he was going to take. And he took that breath and he gave up the ghost. His death was no suicide. His death was no homicide. But he literally, willingly gave up the ghost for you and for me. That's, that's pretty... That's pretty powerful. Death is a very amazing thing. Death, to, to think that you, know, you can do something nice for somebody, but to lay down your life, that's a, that's a, whole, that's a horse of a completely different color. To, to literally give you, every once in a while you hear stories about, the first one that pops into my mind was uh, Philip Bliss. Philip Bliss was in a train wreck, uh, and his wife was still in the train. Once he got out, he realized his wife was in the train. And he was told not to go in because the boiler was going to blow, but he figured, I'd rather live life in heaven with my wife than live on earth without her. And so he went back into the, thing to, into the train to try and rescue his wife, and sure enough, the boiler did blow. Like, and uh, both he and his wife perished that day. And you hear stories like that. That's just one example of thousands where people have laid down their lives for other people. But what we're talking about here is is, is deity, is God in the flesh, laying down his life. And it's a good thing he did, friends. It's a good thing this verse is in the Bible. Because if he did, if he did not, then you and I would be without hope. We would be without hope. We would de- be born, we would die, and we would perish in our sins. But because Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again, you and I can have hope because Jesus took the punishment we deserve in his body, on the tree, shed his precious, precious blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, there's no forgiveness. And ever since this particular day, the believer has, there's been a, a doorway opened to heaven for the believer. This, because the creator incarnate dies, Verses like 2 Corinthians 5, 8 are in, our, are in our Bible. To be absent from the body is to be present with the, with the Lord. Do you believe that? This is, this is important stuff. This is, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about eternity. And uh, so that kind of leads me to a, a question. And the question is, because I don't know every heart in the room, God does, of course, is, are you, are, you, are you prepared to, to stand before this God? This very God that, that died, was buried, rose again, are you prepared to stand before him? Are you prepared to meet God today? Every, every, every person really needs to be prepared to meet God. And I don't know where your heart is to today. I trust that you, you know him. You, not that you've been baptized or you, you know, you're faithful in church attendance. Those things are fine and good. 
but they don't wash away our sins. Have you come to a point of repentance? Have you come to a point where you realize, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Do you come to a point where you realize, I'm in, I'm in trouble. I, I, I'm, I have sinned against this very God, this, this creator, holy, perfect, pure, righteous God. I've sinned before him. Have you come to that point? Or are you still in your self-righteousness and say, well, you know, actually, if, I, if, you, if I'm going to be honest, there are plenty of people still worse than me. You know, there's only one verse I, have struggle, I really struggle with, and that's the verse I preached on Friday night. First uh, Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom, Paul says, I am what? Chief. I have a hard time with that. I think Paul's wrong. I think the chief title goes to this guy right here. I truly do, because I know my own heart. And by the way, if you're a Christian, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He's like, yeah, you know what? I think, if, if anything, there's a tie for first. The tie for first goes to Paul and me and everybody else in the room. We're all guilty before God. Have you, have you come to this point? Have you, or are you still enamored with your self-righteousness? Because Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6 that every man will proclaim his own goodness. It's a natural thing to say, well, you know, I'm not perfect, but I could easily name for you 10 people that I'm better than them, that's for sure. This is is a word, ladies and gentlemen, of conquest and a word of confidence when Jesus says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Is this same Jesus the Jesus that you're trusting in today? I trust that you are. I mean, I don't know every person in the room, but, but there is nothing more important than your soul, friend. And I would encourage you, if you're not trusting in Jesus, that today, the Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, today is the day of salvation. And if, you're, if you are a Christian, which I suspect most people in the room are, then uh, this, is, this is too good news. This, this, this news is too good to keep to ourselves. Amen? We, we, must, we must get it out there somehow. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not naive enough to think that everybody's going to be an open-air preacher. I'm, I, I wouldn't even go there because that's just foolishness. But you, God has placed an influence of people around you that's not around me. It's not around David and Eme and, and, and Mark and Ken and Gabe. God has placed an influence of people around you that we'll never reach this week. And, and you have an opportunity this week to influence people around you with a word. And you know what? You know what? Christmas time is probably the easiest time to get the gospel out. I'm not kidding. Uh, passed out tracks last night, 2,500 tracks. And the report that I got back from the guy in charge was like maybe 10 people said, no, thank you. What's 10 out of 2,500? That's a pretty small percentage. It's the easiest time of year to get the word out. And as we go out... Lord willing, on the 18th, as we pray for good weather, I was going to cross my fingers, but what does that have to do with good weather? <laughs> um, as we go out on the 18th, we can be praying for two and a half, three weeks for good weather and uh, pray that God will, will move and just get the word out. Uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, amen? By the way, this is a quote. We're not going to turn there because we're running out of time, but this is actually a quote from Psalm 31. This, Jesus Christ is quoting Psalm chapter number 31. And in Psalm chapter 31, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus says, into thy, or the, the psalmist says, excuse me, uh, verse 5, Into your hand I commend my spirit. 
Sounds familiar? But then he leaves the last part off because it doesn't apply to him. For you have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. So this, that's what the psalmist said in Psalm 31, which shouldn't come as a total shock because Jesus is quoting the Old Testament all the time. Even earlier this day, he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is actually quoting Psalm chapter 22 as well. So it's neat how the Old Testament combines with the New Testament. This is one unified book, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm here to strengthen your faith in, in, in God and his word, hoping and trusting that your faith is in him, not in your good works, not in your self-righteousness. If you've not come to a, repent, a place of repentance and faith, I'd implore you and encourage you to do that today to, because today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Lord, you're so awesome. Thank you, Lord, that no one takes your life from you, Lord Jesus, but you gave it up of your own accord. And thank you that we don't serve a pathetic, weak, sickly, dying Savior. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords who, who destroyed death with death. Uh, that's just so awesome, Lord. Thank you, that, thank you that in your sovereignty and in your goodness and in your mercy, you took the most powerful weapon the devil had and you literally beat him with it. You, you, literally, you literally conquered death with death. And then, of course, according to Colossians chapter 2, you made a spoil of the principalities and powers openly when you walked out of that grave alive, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today, and I know that he is living, whatever men may say. Lord, increase our faith in you. This day, thank you that it's good to be in this place to sing and to uh, study your word and to fellowship one with another. But at the end of the day, we, we have the answer. Help us not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And, uh, and I pray today, if there's any here today who have not trusted in the blood of Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation for them, that, that there is room at the cross for them today but they must come your way. They must come through Jesus, for he is the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by him. Lord, you're so awesome. Thank you for the Bible. Uh, Lord, help us, uh, help us to not neglect the word of God in prayer. Jesus Christ made a priority.